Welcome back for 2024. Little short one for you today, just to wet the whistle. I do apologise, we had a lot of technical issues today, so if the audio is a bit dodgy, then we'll rectify that and get that sorted for next week. Today, we have JR and I talking Australian Open, quadruple AFL coaches off-season, and a little look to the year ahead. This is Who's On Him. Welcome to 2024. Welcome to Who's On Him, the official podcast of the Quadruple AFL. My name is Dylan Evans and I'm joined by JR Josh Ryan for what is to be a very exciting year of fantasy football. JR, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Um, feeling a little bit of trepidation going into this, having, uh, I don't think we've wheeled a podcast out for a good six months since the last one. So uh, yeah, we might be a bit rusty, but we'll see how we go. Good to be back. Well, it did take us, uh, I would say, a good 40 minutes to actually get online and we've given uh, Zoom the flick and flicked over to Microsoft Teams because <laughs> the, um, the, the technological side of things has clearly escaped us as uh, we exited 2023. How close are you to calling and uh, not doing this podcast just then? <laughs> well, I mean, if we hadn't had three false starts uh, last week as it was, I think uh, it could have been. Could have been every chance of giving it the flick, but uh, yeah, we've we've persisted and we're here and we appear to be operational. So that's about the best we can hope for. Yeah, I I absolutely set you up uh, for failure last week. I said three times that <laughs> I'm on, we can do this, and then just life gets in the way. And and so I appreciate you uh, sticking fat with us. And here we are. We're in for 2024. We're in for a big year of fantasy football. Um, this podcast, Jay, I probably won't be very extremely fantasy heavy. We'll touch on a few things, including the Australian Open, but I think it's more of a catch-up and to get everyone excited for the year ahead. And uh, what better way to get excited for the year ahead with Get Him Off. Fucking get him off. Yeah. Um, get Minson off. He's coming off. Man, get, get him back him off. off. Get him off. Get him off. Get, get him off. off. Rocket, oh. rocket. We can't oh. hear. So it's been about probably two or three months since our last podcast. Uh, the last one was uh, when I was officially crowned Premier. Um, so I'm sure there's been a lot of things that have uh, gotten to you over that little period. JR, who are you or what are you signifying to get him off this week? Well, sort of as people may be aware, um, there has been test cricket on. I, I would say you know, it's definitely been the most fleeting interest I've had in a, in a test cricket summer. Well, at least since last summer. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, Pakistan came out here and, and no one was really expecting a lot. But, um, you know, I had I had heard a lot about Babar Azam and <laughs> how he was a generational batsman, one of the best uh, we've ever seen. Um, so I was hoping, even though I didn't have a lot of hopes for the competitiveness of the series, that, you know, if they've got one kind of star batsman, that can be enough sometimes to, you know, make it pretty close. Um, Instead, we got nothing from him. (laughs) As per usual in a big series, this man did not deliver. Um, He performed like Michael Johnson in a preliminary final for the entire series. (laughs) And and it was just all-round average. I think he might have made a 40 from one of his six innings, plenty of 20s, averaged about 20. And he did not add to his uh, two or his one century 
made outside the subcontinent. So he uh, he was an absolute disappointment. I reckon you would have been paying a dollar twenty to go on a round about Pakistani. Well, not maybe not Pakistani cricket, <laughs> but just in general, a, a, a you would have gone after a player, and there's no shock that it's Babra Azam. Um, just what sort of expectations did you have like on him coming over to Australia for the first time? Were you hopeful, or did you think this is going to happen? I was pretty pretty confident it was going to happen. I I remember talking with uh, fellow uh, quadruple AFL coach uh, Michael Johnson about this guy that everyone says he's good, but then he never makes any runs. <laughs> and, and I'm sure he may make some runs in the short form format, but I don't care about that. Uh, I care about test cricket and he has failed to deliver again. You said then that uh, this guy that everybody talks about, that he's really, really good, but just seems to fail. Um, who would be the fantasy equivalent now in, in our league for that? I've got two names that spring to mind, but I'd like to hear yours first. <laughs> Well, it depends. Obviously, I mentioned I mentioned Jono, but he seems to get to prelim finals. Yeah, I think we can cross um, him off. In, yeah, in spite of you know people's thoughts, he he does get there. Whereas Babar Azam, he you know he's sort of the equivalent of not getting there at all ever. <laughs> um, I don't know. It sort of escapes me off the top of my head. I'm I'm interested to hear that you've got multiple. So yeah, I've yeah, got. I'll I've got, leave it to you. I've got two that spring to mind. Just before um, I say these two, I just want to um, get the audience to do an exercise for me. Close your eyes and really think about that question that I asked JR. And who comes to your mind when you think about this? I'll let you pause and think about that for three seconds. Because if the answer isn't James Davies and Adam Schmidt, then I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who else it could be. Both these men do nothing but talk about how, you know, how fantastic last year, for example, Schmidt's draft picks were and how he's, you know, the, the genius that uh, traded everything to go into the second and third round. And Davies had all the highlighters coming out of his ass and everything else that came along with it. And they produced nothing on a consistent basis. Schmidt sneaks into the eight bombed out first round with a score of like 1,300 or something. They are the Babarazam of quadruple AFL fantasy. <laughs> I, I've just got a question. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard a bit about um, Schmidt's reputation as a, as a fantasy player coming in, uh, as somewhat of an expert. And obviously, yeah, it'd probably be fair to say that he quite hasn't lived up to that billing. But has anyone ever thought James Davies was good at fantasy? <laughs> I think James Davies thought James Davies was good. <laughs> But that, that, I mean, it's that, good to see the way. <laughs> it's good to see we've uh, started 2024 the way we ended 2023, and that's sh- throwing a heap of shade at James Davies. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be the quadruple AFL without it. Thank you, JR, for your get him off. Uh, my get him off is once again not necessarily sports based, as most of mine aren't. Um, my get him off is a little bit tricky because, uh, in general, I was going to go after the full domestic construction industry, but I thought that might be too broad and too. <laughs> And too vague. Um, as you know, I'm in my um, lovely new house that has been finished finally. We've been talking about it all throughout the last uh, year on the podcast. Um, and quite happy with uh, the company that we built with. They did a really good job. Um, so I couldn't go after the construction industry in general because I'm sure it's not uh, isolated to um, everyone. But the house that is being built to us next door, um, who is with a company that I will not name, has decided at some point just before we've moved in to um, unhook a couple of our fence panels to allow easy access to the site, which is a very normal building process. So they unhook a couple of fence panels, they go in so they have easy access to brickwork or whatever it might be. And that's fine. They even ask permission and we're like, yeah, of course, you do what you got to do. We did the same thing. 
Um, the, the only issue, JR, is we've moved in and they haven't replaced those fence panels. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. so we are currently living with um, a part fent- well, a partly fenced house. Um, and as you know, I have two very well-behaved dogs who... <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, who definitely won't um, won't run away. So, my house at the moment is currently being sort of, uh, well, sorry, that fence part is currently being guarded by like just a whole, just my own construction of, um, you know, loose chairs and bins and et cetera, just trying to board it up as best as possible <laughs> uh, while I get in contact with this other company to come back out and fix the fence posts and the fence panels. And their response is, oh, yeah, but well, everyone's away at the moment. I'm like, that's fine, but surely if you destroy someone's thing that they paid for, you, you try and work quite swiftly to rectify that. I mean, it's interesting that you, you touched on how well uh, behaved your dogs are. And, and if I know Lenny, and if there's one thing that will stop him uh, going through the boundary to a property, it would be a well-placed garden chair. So <laughs> at, least, uh, at least that might work. I've got to say, and I'm glad I didn't go after the whole just in general construction slash um, trade industry because um, we've had some great tradesmen uh, come and work on our house over the last couple of weeks, <laughs> in- including uh, none other than uh, Hot Adam Leach, who just, I'm looking at my concrete right now, did just a fantastic job. It's just, um, look, I couldn't tell you if it was a bad job either, but I assume <laughs> that he's done just fantastic work. So shout out to you, Adam Leach. Definitely no like messages written in the uh, in the concrete while it was wet? Um, not that I can see at the moment, but look, I haven't, you know, ventured and had a look too closely, but I, I trust him. He, um, he and his cousin did a fantastic job. Uh, Luciano Concrete, for anybody out there who are looking for concreting solutions, um, yeah, highly recommend. Well, I mean, it, it's great to... It's great to have a sort of concrete, uh, concrete expert, sort of in the group because, like, you never—it's one of those real sort of niche things that you're never quite sure, you know, when you might need it. Well, I mean, you are quite sure when you might need it. It's when you get a house, <laughs> but it, it's good to have it available. Yeah, there's um, there was um, a, a time uh, throughout the the off season period where one of the quadruple AFL members um, asked for a bit of help just on a like constructing their CV and a job application, and I was like, yeah, I can give you a hand. And I remember saying to them that I cannot help in any way in terms of trades or like any sort of manual labor, but <laughs> this is my version of a cashy. So <laughs> white collar, uh, white collar jobs only. Absolutely. Um, I do have a question though, though on the uh, on the area of of concreting and landscaping and broader home improvements. Obviously, Leachy, he's come out. He's the concrete expert. He's done a great job. Who would you not want to have? Uh, <laughs> laying your concrete the most because I feel like we touched on this last year on, on a similar topic, but I'm just interested to see if, if you know, what oh. the 2024 opinions are. I've sort of... You can say me, it's fine. No, you, you've proven yourself handy. I know that you had a, a B issue at your house over, <laughs> over the off season, <laughs> which we might touch on in another podcast that you, sent, you tended to deal with somewhat effectively. <laughs> so I'll back you in to be somewhat... <laughs> helpful i would say my my viewpoint has changed slightly and i'd say lachlan norman um purely because (laughs) one he he doesn't look like he's worked a hard day in his life uh and two he now has the well he'll tell you he has the financial capacity to pay for absolutely anything and everything so i just think that any chance of doing hard work is sort of um, sailed with uh, his, uh, I guess, inflated wage and his inflated um, asset portfolio. So, um, yeah, Lachlan Norman. I thought you were going to say inflated ego. That was what I thought was coming. But well, um, it goes hand in hand. 
my 2024 resolution is to take more pot shots at Lachlan Norman. So <laughs> we, we, we're happy to end it there <laughs> if you want. <laughs> we'll go with Lockie. Lockie can be the answer. Thank you, Lockie. And that was Get Him Off. We're going to come back and we're going to talk before we get into the Australian Open seats about the up and down Quadruple AFL 7 series. JR, as you'll be well aware, we took our first uh, venture into uh, what is <laughs> what is vastly becoming a, a greatly disappointing experience in uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> the AFL 7 series uh, at AFL Max. Um, we have uh, got a team going um, and uh, as you know, a few of the boys fancy themselves as a bit of a footballer, at least back in the day and I think you'd probably agree, probably even still now uh, fancy themselves as footballers. And um, so, oh, 100%. so just to, to clarify for everybody who may not be aware, we have an AFL 7 team. It is the indoor AFL Max Arena. The team consists of Adam Leach, uh, Schmidt's in the group, but I think he's only played one game and probably will only play one game. Uh, Alex, Bradley Williams, uh, Brent McLean, Daniel Uclassic, a friend of the quadruple AFL, uh, somebody we went to uni with and one of the only capable footballers I know. Uh, Jake Dean, Ashenden, <laughs> John Norman, Jono, Regan and Stasi. And between those, you know, 12 people, we barely get seven a week. So <laughs> that, that just shows you how we're going at this point. <laughs> um, so just for everybody who's aware, um, we have played three games so far. We have another game tomorrow night, which you'll probably hear this uh, tomorrow. So you'll uh, we'll have a game tonight, we should say. the In a 12-team league, the Quadrupa AFLs are currently sitting eighth with one win against the Morphe Roos, who are actually just slightly above us in the ladder now. Uh, having won one of their games. Um, it all started so well, JR. It all started off so promising. We did play Morphe Roos first and we got off a, <laughs> we got a win off. And my God, you should see that group chat. I didn't play that game, but I was monitoring it. I was coming over from Brisbane at that time. You should see the confidence and the arrogance from players and from just <laughs> people in that group about their perceived ability and what we're going to do to this league. <laughs> You know, you've obviously mentioned that um, you know there was a few a few members of that uh, FL7 side very very happy with what they what they dished up down at West very Beach. Very happy. Um, I spoke to a few uh, a few members of that team individually over sort of December and the Christmas period, um, and really got the sense that you know all of them were very impressed with their own work. Who do you think was the most impressed with what they dished up? Uh, <laughs> there were quite a few uh, after that first week. It was comfortably, uh, and that's because I'm in a side group chat with them as well, so I heard it in the AFL 7s group and then in another side group as well. It was a combination of Stasi, Regan and Norman. Um, Regan probably not so much, but Stasi and Norman apparently kicked, I don't know, I think they may have kicked like seven or eight goals between them or something like that, and they were... <laughs> <laughs> they thought that they were the one-two combination that the AFL 7s competition needed. They, it, it was... <laughs> You've never heard anything like it. So they obviously hadn't seen Aaron Young uh, play uh, play in the April 7s game. Well, no, because that, this is when reality came calling. And that was uh, round two next week, which is my first game. I've come, also coincided with two losses in the league, which isn't ideal. But look, you can't do much. Um, the game before us, uh, we, we got there a bit early and was watching it. And one of the boys goes, geez, is that, um, is that Aaron Young playing there? And then we're like, oh, oh shit, that is Aaron Young playing there. Uh, did he, uh, North Adelaide, did he win a McGarry medal? 
Yeah, North Adelaide McGarry Medalist. Yeah, yeah. North Adelaide. Port Adelaide uh, Power and Gold Coast Suns fame. Yes, correct. Um, and then we noticed a couple of other North Adelaide players in there, and then all of a sudden we've gone, oh no, they're in our league, <laughs> and uh, we might be in a bit of trouble. <laughs> so uh, we quickly found out as well that uh, the AFL Sevens, although they label the divisions Division One, Division Two, there's actually no thought process that goes into there, and that is name them for the sake of it to separate the competitions. <laughs> so we are stuck with uh, the, the Aaron Young. Uh, I forgot what their team's called. Uh, and also uh, another good team, uh, the Unley something or other, the Flag Jets they're called, but they're the Unley Jets football club. Um, so we played them that night and we got absolutely smashed. Uh, reality came calling. My favourite part of that evening was Lachlan Norman, who brought his own coach's board. I shit you not, like the ones that you see in <laughs> like the local amateur competition <laughs> and was talking about the zone we need to set up. <laughs> well, while all these Division Two footballers who are taller, more athletic, younger and just fitter than us <laughs> were just running around us and Norman repeatedly <laughs> going with the same message, you've just got to punch a zone, we got to, we got to go fast. <laughs> With no foot skills uh, oh. to, to go along with that, so I mean, yeah, there's only there's only so much uh, over the top uh, coaching that can outdo uh, ten years less wear and tear on the body, isn't there? It got it got even better because after the game there was a real just sort of a solemn group, and um, <laughs> Regan and Loggy were really leading the charge with. What happened? I just can't work out what happened that game, and and I think I labeled, I think I named it in my uh, previous comment. Then it is fitter, younger, uh, taller, and more athletic than us, and and better at football as well. So um, the AFL seven. It's often a winning uh, winning strategy. The AFL sevens is uh, not off to an absolute flyer. We do have a game tomorrow night against what I'm looking at as the. Or oh, second to bottom team, which is nice. They drew with somebody, so. There is a sneaky chance we may get a win at the moment, but JR, you don't know this. You could be getting a call up to that game because I'm looking at the numbers that are in for the 9 p.m. game tomorrow night, and believe it or not, it's quite low. <laughs> I was going to ask uh, who was rolling out there. Um, I have a 10:30 uh, p.m. basketball game on uh, on Thursday night, so oh. 9 p.m. is uh, is not that bad, but yeah, might be it might be doing two laps in a row, but. <laughs> Uh, that's an AFL 7s update. Um, let's get in, JR, to the Australian Open because we last night drew our seeds and, oh boy, when we drew our seeds, that signifies the start of the 2024 quadruple AFL season. Okay, I'm just going to go through and list the quadruple AFL coaches and their Australian Open seeds and then we're just going to get your first take about what stands out for you, who you're excited about, what's the, the mean pairing that uh, we needed and I think we already, I think we already know. Uh, JR, you drew Yannick Sinner, my first year boy. Uh, Beeble got Stefanos Tsitsipas. Uh, Norman drew Grigor Dimitrov. Uh, Presbury got Carlos Alcaraz. Regan got uh, Danny Medvedev, which is very exciting. <laughs> uh, Stasi drew Alex Zverev. Echo got Casper Rude, Rude Boy. Don't you give it up. Uh, Schmidt got <laughs> Karen Kachanov. <laughs> Actual name Karen, um, <laughs> as we found out. It might be Karen, but that's Correct. okay. Uh, John... No, it's Karen, I think. Oh, fantastic. Uh, John drew yeah. Taylor Fritz. Uh, Leach drew Tommy Paul. Uh, Jono drew Rublev. <laughs> <laughs> Davies drew Alex Diminar. Um, oh, sorry, I'll start again. Oh, yeah, sorry. Davies drew Alex Diminar. 
Alex, our Alex, quadruple AFL coach, drew Ben Shelton, who we're aptly naming Shelton Benjamin. Now, you weren't a big wrestling fan, but Shelton Benjamin was a, a very niche but slightly popular wrestler back in the early 2000s, so we're happy to go with that. Um, <laughs> Doug, new to the quadruple AFL, drew Hubert Herkax. Uh, Brent, drew also, well, sort of new to the quadruple AFL, drew our boy JR, Francis Tiafo. Uh, I drew Holger Rune. Yep, big foe. Yep. I drew Holger Rune, Grady drew Nicholas Jarry, <laughs> and Dean probably got the, well, Dean <laughs> absolutely got the favourite, got Novak Djokovic. Um, first takes, what stands out to you among that group? Uh, obviously, the pairing that stands out is, um, frankly, the dream meme uh, pairing of uh, Regan and Danny Medvedev. <laughs> the uh, the amount of con- uh, content that that duo provided the uh, first year that we so we did the Australian Open as a as a means to uh, set the draft order. Just just incredible. Like went on a long run. Like got angry pretty much every fifteen minutes, and <laughs> the content opportunities were endless. So that one stands out. Also, you getting Holger Rune, who apparently has a absolutely cooked back, um, is is very concerning for you. Well. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> I didn't realise this, but he, he only just finished a tournament and came runner-up. So, uh, and look, it's probably one of those tennis injuries where you just play through it and that's fine. He, he'll get to – if he can get me the, I don't know, the 10th pick or whatever, that's fine. I'm happy with that. Um, just touching back on Regan with Danny Medvedev, um, do you think that those two are somewhat spiritually linked, as in personality-wise, um, Maybe even performance-wise, I would almost suggest in terms of uh, their output. Regan as a quadruple AFL coach, Medvedev as a tennis player. What do you think? Well, obviously Regan hasn't won in the uh, quadruple AFL, and I think Danny Medvedev may have a major, at least one, maybe two. I could be wrong. So, I mean, probably not exactly the same in that respect, Um, and Regan's got a bit of work to do. But um, I would say just a general love of being the villain of whatever competition they're in. There's... There's definitely like a spiritual, a spiritual link between them, and and I know that that was the pairing that I was hoping for from a at least from a content perspective, going into the draw. And when you told me that that's what had happened, I yeah, I loved it. Your thoughts on Grady drawing somebody called Nicholas Jerry, who is the confirmed last seed. Um, Grady notoriously um, thinks that he has the worst luck in the quadruple AFL, um, and he might be onto something early in 2024. What's your takeaway from that? Oh, I reckon I don't know much about that guy, but that name sounds like someone that's going to lose in the second round to like <laughs> one of those like shit Australians, like a like a Jordan Thompson or. <laughs> Like back in back John, in the day, John like Millman. a Chris Guccione, John, yeah, hundred percent. Just that like twenty odd seed. They're not that good. They played a lot of tournaments last year to get the ranking, and then just like absolutely dropped their bundle out on show court three. That that is what I foresee happening for uh, for Grady. Currently paying uh, one fifty one to one on uh, sports bet. Not that we condone any sort of gambling, um, but just to give an indication of to how the the bookies view Nicholas Jerry's chances. <laughs> Um, <laughs> obviously, you're quite happy with your boy Yannick Sinner. You gave a bit of a fist pump there where I read that out at the top. Um, I think you quite like him. Um, so outside of the obvious, which is Dean with Novak Djokovic, um, and you can't say Yannick Sinner. Is there anyone in particular that you go, oh, I wish I could have had him? Oh, I think I think Presbury would be quite happy with Carlos Alcaraz. Um, he's probably probably him and Novak were maybe the only one. Medvedev maybe were the only ones that I, that I might have wanted more. Um, I, there's a whole lot that I didn't want 
um, and I managed to dodge those. I didn't want Casper Rude for one. I, he seems to be the poison chalice of uh, <laughs> of this competition, so yeah, definitely happy I avoided him. Echo seems quite. I mean. Just to give everyone um, a bit of a visual, I drew uh, live on Zoom last night and I had about eight attendees. Uh, the rest uh, <laughs> decided to rock up very, very late to the point where the draw was already done. I um, mean, Echo rocked up with a cat filter on and kept going, meow, I'm a cat uh, throughout. So <laughs> <laughs> it was hard to gauge his excitement um, levels, but he did seem to to be quite um, to be quite enthused with the Casper Rude pick. Um but also shout out to uh, Mrs. Economou who in the entire way throughout our draft when his camera was off mute was going, shut the fuck up, Christian. Who the fuck are those guys? <laughs> Turn it down. Put your headphones in. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> apologies for ruining your Monday evening. <laughs> uh, yeah, shout out to Echo, who's obviously the uh, tennis expert of the group. But obviously there's you know some members of the uh, quadruple AFL fraternity that are not, not quite as <laughs> well across... Uh, across the tennis landscape. Uh, one of which I would say is, is Michael Johnson and, you know, probably knows like, you know, that Djokovic is of the world, maybe a Medvedev, uh, Nick Kyrgios, but that could be sort of where the tennis knowledge uh, ends. Um, and he ended up with, who did he get again? Uh, he got Andre Rublev. Yeah. He ended up with Andre Rublev and um, uh, immediately uh, messaged me and was like, Rublev, is he any good? <laughs> And I, and I was like, well, sometimes, but sometimes not. So <laughs> That's a good way to describe he, it. Sometimes good, sometimes yeah. not. <laughs> so he could be on for a bit of a white knuckle ride uh, through the tournament. Just a, a quick one. Um, what point, uh, either before or after the Australian Open, do you think John will log in and check his pick, which is Taylor Fritz? <laughs> well, well, you've had Taylor Fritz before. Yeah. What was what was your experience uh, with Taylor Fritz? It was I, I can tell you it was a real like you have to talk yourself into it. So like think about what's a what's a Crows <laughs> team like what's a year Crows team that you you really had to like sell yourself on that we're going to be it's going to be an okay season like I don't know. Oh, 2024. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So it's, it's this year's Crows team you're really really talking yourself into it's going to be okay. Um and I did that all throughout my Taylor Fritz experience because I didn't really particularly like him the whole, you know, um, I guess show pony um, factor, etc. Um, and then I really got myself to a point. He won the first two rounds, I think, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm in. I'm in on Taylor Fritz." And then just got absolutely bombed out, <laughs> Nicholas Jerry style, <laughs> third round. Two, <laughs> two um, who's the who's the other Australian, the young one? Um, <laughs> oh, it's going to annoy me. Who is it? What's his name? Uh, oh, Popper. 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 No, not not Tony Popovich. <laughs> no, not Tony Popovich. Um, Alex, oh, yeah. Alexander Popovich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got knocked out to him, and yeah, I was like, "That Alexi. is," and not knowing Taylor Fritz oh, very Alexi. well, Alexi. Yeah, Alexi. Sorry, I was like, "That's very Taylor Fritz." So enjoy that experience, John. I'm uh, glad to have probably somewhat more of a oh, I'm absolutely poison chalice, but somewhat of a more capable candidate this year. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing to touch on with the Australian Open, um, just to assess the the group's eagerness to get the quadruple AFL fantasy uh, season going. Um, how do you feel? And you must have missed it all yesterday, but B will put in the group at about probably 10 a.m. that seeds have been announced, seeds have been announced, and sent us through a screenshot um, of the seeds. And then not one of us decided to fact check him until I did probably 15 minutes before the draft. And it turned out that the seeds had not been uh, drawn. And in fact, he got in. 
<laughs> he, he got his information from uh, the Twitter slash X account, uh, tennis up to date number two. <laughs> <laughs> And we had to make a, we had to make a very quick decision in the moment whether we progressed with what looked like somewhat legitimate seeds, and they ended up to be was credit. They ended up being legitimate. They were announced today, and they were all in line with what they were. Um, or do we postpone it? And so his group in the uh, sorry, his name in the group is now Trumpy Fake News Williams. <laughs> and I would also petition for that Twitter group or Twitter account to uh, have the name changed to uh, Twitter no, or Tennis Update, not up to date. <laughs> Uh, because that was an absolute misnomer that uh, could have gone horribly wrong. So maybe they're just really up to date. Like, well, they're so they're so up to date that they know before anything actually happens. Well, you, it's like you, the Oracle. You kind of you kind of right because uh, they had the information that basically I think six days before the tournament begins or something like that that the seeds were like could not change because of X, Y, and Z rule. So they knew it based off that. So. <laughs> Um, shout out to Tennis Up to Date too if you want to give that a follow. It clearly is ahead of the game with all, all related tennis news. <laughs> Obviously, B will follows that account, but I I would imagine that Echo might be following that one as well. So only sixteen more quadruple AFL members to go. I actually heard that was uh, Echo's account, his burner account, where he just posts tennis information. <laughs> so uh, yeah, maybe Jono could go and give that one a follow and um, really stay up to date with the uh, the tennis goings on in the world. Uh, we are very excited for the Australian Open. It begins this Sunday. A um, little slight change in our rules this year. If you finish uh, first, um, that will give you the first pick. So you might not want pick one. You might want pick four or five, and you get to choose that, and then we go down the line. So there will be an interesting little uh, caveat to throw into the season, and let's see how that plays out. Uh, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with uh, – I guess you and I are rating the quadruple AFL coaches off-season performances. Welcome back. JR, we're going to end this podcast, a really short podcast this week. We just wanted to get back in the swing of things, get a little technical check going, and uh, I think we've got a really good one in store for hopefully next week, if not the week after. Um, I just wanted to check in with the quadruple AFL coaches off-seasons because it has been a long off-season, a good at least three months, I think, um, uh, well, it's been about two two months since we saw each other for presentation night, so at least that period there. Uh, and what I thought we'd do, because we can't just do things simply, is um, rank all the coaches, uh, at least the top five, um, going back from five to one, as who's had the, the best off-season, uh, according to us. And there is no metric to quantify this. It's just uh, <laughs> who we think's been uh, been given a bit in the, the <laughs> chat, who we think's been doing a bit in the off-season uh, and so on. So... Um, we put our heads together and we came up with the top five. So we'll start with five and work our way backwards to who's the best performing coach at number one. Um, number five, though, JR, we spoke about this uh, off air just very, very briefly. I'm going to give it to uh, Grady Hud. Um, Grady is uh, what I would describe as a very committed fantasy coach, especially after this year where he had a bit of success. And I have not heard from him basically the entire summer apart from the old cricket chat here and there. And that's because he has been absolutely tending to his new lawn. Um, Tex Les Burdett is uh, his name in the (laughs) group chat as it currently stands. Um, I haven't received an updated photo of his lawn, but would you expect that to be the most pristine, luscious thing based on his, uh, I guess, chat level at the moment? Yeah, obviously, um, I would hope that that lawn is looking absolutely pristine by now. We had a good lot of rain over the weekend, which should have aided uh, aided and abetted the uh, the growth of the turf. Um, I am disappointed, though we haven't had a date set for the backyard uh, cricket game. I'm not <laughs> sure how much uh, 
how much actual cricket Grady uh, has had time to play this summer in between tending to his lawn. Um, but it'd be nice to have a date for that locked in. So Grady, we're, we're still waiting on that. And um, yeah, hopefully that'll be soon. Uh, come back to us, Grady. We miss you in the group chat. Leave the lawn for a little bit. I'm sure it's fine. Um, let's go number four. Number four, oh, this is a tough one. Um, we were talking we're, uh, talking about it before and it could have been a couple of names, but I'm going to go with this man. Um, and that is uh, Bradley Williams, who spent a big, large portion of his off-season in Bali. And I was shocked to find out, JR, that it was, <laughs> it was B-Will's first time in Bali. And that shocks me because he, he just screams Bali to me. He screams like he would be the king of Bali and this would be like a regular trip for him. Well, if he hadn't been to Bali before, I, how do we explain the... Um, the multiple bintang singlets and uh, that we that I've seen that I've seen him wear. Uh, look, he might order them online. It could be like a special sort of custom <laughs> custom order. But you just you you never seen a man more at home. He was messaging Dean and I, and he's like, "Oh, I don't want to come home. This is great." <laughs> just you know all the stuff that you would normally do in Bali, bartering, um, you know the the dollar fifty bintang, everything. You, he was just so at home and. Have you thought that he should maybe think about relocating his fantasy football team to, to Cuda or to Dempasar in general? Well, potentially, and it's an interesting point you raise, and, and potentially it's quite a good, um, good pre-season uh, going to Bali ahead of the quadruple AFL season, particularly getting involved in the bartering side of things. Um, <laughs> you know, as someone, I would say B-Will's a quite heavy trader at the best of times. It's really the perfect warm-up. Um, I know that I've... I mean, I didn't do a lot of bartering when I went, but I know you you got me in a bit of trouble with some of your controversial bartering, um, <laughs> which we we may have to touch on at a later date. But um, I think it's quite a good warm-up to the season for him. Number three, I'm going to have to go with, speaking of themes of cricket and so on, uh, Adam Schmidt gets my third uh, position based on the fact that he is a now 30-plus-year-old grown man who swore that he would be done with it at the end of last season, but is still playing at local cricket. And to the point where on the weekend, he <laughs> said, when it was pissing down with the rain, he sent through a video about how um, bullshit it is that he has to go and the other team's making him go and, you know, check the ground out and, you know, they're not going to play, why make us drive? Um, I think Dean put it perfectly in the group where he's like, this could all be fixed if you didn't play cricket. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I feel like there's the option of like putting in the, you know, a sick note the night before, the morning of, um, we've had an emergency. Like, there's plenty of ways out on a Saturday morning if you don't feel so inclined. So, I would have felt no inclination to, to rock up the ground at all. I think it might have been a forfeit rule. Like, I, I think if uh, the other team doesn't call it off and then you say, well, we're not rocking up, I think you, you I don't know, Schmidt can correct me in the group chat, but <laughs> there might be some sort of rule where you then forfeit the points, which is bullshit, or bullshit, I should say. Um, so, look, a little bit of sympathy there, but no sympathy because you shouldn't have been out there as a, uh, as a 30-year-old man who could be doing a lot of other better things on the weekend. So, um, Schmidt, yeah, you get number three. Uh, could, you know, could be tending to his lawn. I don't know if... if Schmidt has lawn, but that seems to be a more sort of 30-plus uh, weekend pursuit. Schmidt does have lawn. Uh, Schmidt uh, has spoken to me about lawn uh, ad nauseum. So, um, yeah, he, he could definitely be doing that. So, actually, Schmidt, send through a photo of your lawn and we'll, we'll inspect it and see if we need uh, Les Bader out there. <laughs> um, number two goes to a man who is single-handedly keeping tourism Southeast Asia afloat, and that is... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Lachlan Norman, um, every school holidays he, he heads over and just visits uh, another random Southeast Asian country. Uh, he's done three, I think, this time, including Bali, not at the same time as B-Will. Um, last night, JR, you missed out, but while we're on the uh, Australian Open Zoom, um, he was uh, eating at a restaurant in Macau and we asked him to show show his food and it was just disgusting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wish someone took a screenshot of it now. And he was very proud of it. He was like, oh, have a look at this, have a look at this. And it just, it wasn't anything to be proud of. Um, but um, big off-season from Lachlan Norman, travelling, travelling, travelling. So he gets the number two spot. Was his plate, like, entirely made up of seafood? No, it was, I can't remember what it was. It was some sort of chicken, but it, it like, without exaggeration, it looked like vomit on a, on a plate. <laughs> it, looked, it looked like Schmidt's, what was it, porridge in the microwave or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that was not good, so. And time for number one. This is a, a very, very um, sad but also uh, exciting for this person to receive the number one spot as a quadruple AFL, uh, AFL coach with the biggest offseason. Um, it goes to none other than your former housemate, um, Michael Johnson, who uh, was putting in, you know, uh, I don't think he was putting in run times, but he's putting in photos of him exercising in the lead up to the AFL seven season and was, you know, quite keen. I think he may have played <laughs> the first game, was up and about, got the win, et cetera, and then came back for the, the second or third game, whatever it might have been. And uh, one and a half minutes in was the first of what I assume would be many uh, soft tissue injuries for, for members of our of our team and our group. <laughs> and uh, the hammy's gone twang. So, uh, Michael Johnson, congratulations. You get the number one uh, performance for an off-season quadruple <laughs> AFL coach. Well, and I also think some of the uh, the off field, uh, the off field sort of off season, has been uh, very strong from him. Um, I rocked up at his place on Boxing Day, and he was uh, nursing the mother of all uh, hangovers from uh, from Christmas Day, and uh, then uh, New Year's Eve. I, you know, I very much had a low key one, but he uh, was out at a, uh, a Spanish uh, New Year's celebration. So he's definitely been putting the work in on and off the field in the off season. So hopefully that means for his sake, at least there is a, uh, a grand final maybe in the offing this year. Is that the minimum expectation for Jono this year? It's a grand final after making four and I repeat four consecutive preliminary finals. <laughs> I just can't believe he did it again last year. <laughs> and always got in after all the talk all year. Yeah, I know. And I think if he'd got in, he would have won it. He would have sure. beat me, but alas, so, here we are. I'm the one with so, tattoo. <laughs> so I mean he's you know he's just got to keep putting in the work and going back to the well and hopefully the ball bounces your way but I feel like it's getting harder and harder to get back there but uh yeah I'm sure you'll give it a good crack congratulations to those top five congratulations to Michael Johnson we're going to wrap up after the break Welcome back. We are wrapping up what is the first podcast of 2024. It's a very short podcast. Here. I'm looking at my uh, Microsoft Teams time. We're under an hour and then with editing, that'll be about 40 minutes. So um, look, just good to sort of get one out of the way. It's like your first net session back after a long, long break. It's a bit rusty. You're a bit all over the shop, but you'll get the job done. And uh, I'm looking forward to a big 2024. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's definitely been uh, good to be back. And despite the... Uh host of uh, technical problems that we've we've had uh, the next one will be an in-person in-person podcast and we can hopefully do away with uh, teams and zoom forever so Fantastic. looking forward to that yeah good to uh dust off the cobwebs and uh yeah we're back we're back we're back baby um for everybody uh listening next week we've got a bit of a gimmicky pod we are going to be joined by 
well, he doesn't know this yet, but Lachlan Norman, um, uh, <laughs> he's the only person uh, outside of a couple other teachers that uh, have, <laughs> the, have the time off. So uh, I'm volunteering his time. We are going to do the official first ever quadruple AFL My Guy podcast. JR, you don't know what that is yet, but it's the My Guy podcast. And that's all I'm going to leave you with. <laughs> thank you for your time, JR. Appreciate it. No worries, mate. See you next week. And thank you for listening. We will see you next week.